0: It's always so much fun with this group up here. I'm very thankful for them. Good morning to everyone, and welcome to the gathering of Recreate Church. I am so glad that you're here for this. I'm Michael, I'm the the pastor, and we want you to know that our motto is, and we mean this no matter your story, you are welcome, you are wanted. And you are loved. I'm so pleased to have with us today someone bringing the word. And uh, before I introduce him, I promised I'd hype him up really big. So you guys got to help me out, okay? Help me keep my promise. Before I introduce him, I do want to make a couple announcements. We got in the church building this week and, and worked on it. And it looks so nice, y'all. We are, Lord willing, planning to get in there this summer and, and open back up for live services. What we're praying about right now is having one of our services be indoors and one of our services be outdoors. Okay. A couple of big things that we need to be praying about, and, and you pray if you need to be involved with this. We do have some more work to be done to the building. We're going to do some more cleaning, hopefully, some painting of the outside of the building. So if you got a paint sprayer or you know how to do that or you're just willing to show up and listen to somebody who does know what they're doing, which is kind of my plan, then uh, be ready for that. The other big, big, big one, this one might be the biggest of all, is our kids ministry. A lot of you know that my my wife has been instrumental in the kids ministry. She's got surgery coming up. She's not going to be able to to carry the load on that anymore so we need the lord to raise up some people who can uh, not only volunteer we need some volunteers yes but we need some people who can organize people who can plan and all that sort of thing so be thinking about that be praying about that now to keep my promise i promised duncan that i would be his hype man let me t- he's just wandering up here let me hype you up duncan Give me a second. Let me hype you up, okay? I'm not really good at this hype man stuff, but I'm going to give it a shot. So I want to bring to you a man unlike any other you're going to see today because there's only one of him, Uh, a guy I love so much, a a guy who's got such a big heart, and uh, some of you have heard him speak before, some of you haven't. I don't want to build him up too high to make him nervous, but he's a fantastic blessing to me and just a huge part of recreate church let's hear for duncan crook this is duncan did i overdo it (laughs) i I felt like i was holding just a little bit so you guys give uh give duncan your attention i'm grabbing my bible here
1: well i think i might stand a little bit in the rain and a little bit out there you go so well good morning everybody uh again my name is duncan crook and uh I come to you today on the corner. What? Put it a little bit closer. A little bit closer now. It's a song, I believe. Idiot. Anyway, I want to thank uh, Michael for uh, asking me to be a part of this. And I pulled together a sermon today, and we'll uh, we'll see how it goes. What I'm going to talk about today is, is uh, building a Christian home. And... When you look at it, it has references in it that focus on people that are about to get married. But when I was putting it together, I also saw that it has a lot of references that are fitting for people that are already married, like me and you out there. We look at, I I found this little thing in in here that says an ad in the Lawrence, Kansas Journal World. It said, now why was I looking at that? I have no idea. We will oil your sewing machine and adjust the tension in your home for only a dollar. That was in Reader's Digest. If only if it were possible to adjust the tension in our homes or church for a dollar. I think there's a lot of people that would take people up on that. Most of us would pay much more than a dollar just to adjust the tension. Which leads me to the title of the sermon. The title of my sermon is uh, Plans for Building a Christian Home. And I base most of the sermon from Psalm 127. But see, before I do that, let's have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you for the many blessings you bring to uh, us as a church family, and thank you for the ability to be able to meet outdoors and uh, during this time of the pandemic. And Lord, we thank you for uh, we just thank you for many, many different things. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart are pleasing to you, Lord, uh, when we go through this sermon. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, Psalm 127. We'll start with that. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stand up late toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. And blessed is a man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. So I know you've probably heard this uh this verse before these verses before, and it's used a lot in weddings, and a pastor will read the psalm and it's primarily primarily read because of the first verse. when we look at the first verse again it 's an unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain so let's put this together. We can see a young couple, if you think about a young couple setting out on the journey of life together. We're about to get caught up in the unending work of building a home. Now, using the imagery, and the reason I pulled this together is as an imagery of building a house, which is really near and dear to me right now, let's look at the important things that are needed. Again before that, you, some of you know that Diane and I, we bought a fixer-upper on Kino Road in Laurel Fork that will, when I'm done, be a house for my daughter, Caitlin. We pretty much gutted the house. Uh, as I didn't want to just slap a coat of kills on it and call it a day. It's getting a new kitchen, a bathroom, wiring, flooring, windows, plumbing. Whew. You know, the wiring alone about killed me, pulling it all through the house and, uh, and just to put new, war- new, uh, new wiring in. And that's not to mention about picking colors. When you start looking at picking colors, or after painting, maybe not even liking the color or trim. And I try not to get into that. So patience is a virtue, they tell me. But at times, mine is not quite there. I've learned that over the years that I build this stuff and my wife will pick all the paint and the color and the trim and all that stuff, and I just do it. And I have an opinion about them, but they aren't usually as good as Diane's. I bet some of you, like me, I've watched the fixer-upper shows on TV. I kind of sit there amazed when they take the most rundown property and in 55 minutes, poof, it's all fixed up and done. They turn it into this spectacularly remodeled home. I knew they had remodeling teams, but it doesn't seem to click sometimes and doesn't stop me from being disappointed at not being able to finish quicker. And I keep pushing myself. At first, we talked about how long it would take to remodel everything, and knowing that it would be a big job and could take a while. excuse me. I remember saying, one bite at a time, Diane, as the amount of time it was going to take was a big deal. I also said that we don't need to rush, and my kids are always laughing at me about that, especially my oldest. He goes, it's a good thing you're not rushing on that job, Dad. That's not how I roll. I just don't. I just like to get things finished and get them done. I don't know about you, but I'd like to have it finished, like on TV, in an hour, 60 minutes. And I work like a crazy person trying to get it done. But it gets worse. The longer it drags out, the back order of supplies, especially nowadays, finding issues not planned for, the price of lumber. Let me tell you about the price of lumber. I'm sure you've all seen that. Then the nerves become frayed. I overwork, I get a little tired, and I get, maybe, a little tongue starts turning to like a bullwhip. Now, I know you know that isn't me, but Diane, really. I'm always so calm and collected. Michael's shaking his head, and Diane just blew the horn. That's not nice. <laughs> For what? As time drags on, our patients become less and less. For whatever reason, God doesn't zap humans into perfection. He just doesn't do that. There's something about the journey. It's about the process of life renewal that makes the heart of God really glad. Now today I'm going to talk about what it means to be equipped and engaged in the community of Christ as the life pieces are being rebuilt. Do you have the guts to take on a full, uh, full life renovation? Do you? So here's the problem, and I don't think I'm much different than most others. The problem is, I can't turn the page. There we go. When it comes to problems, my problems, my spiritual problems, I want to be fixed. And I want to be healed. I think everybody could say that. But I want it now. I want it now. I want to get rid of my issues. I want God to get rid of my lack of patience. That's his job. I would like God to give me this one-hour remodel so I can make the right decision every day so everyone is happy. I know that's not how it works. It still doesn't stop me from thinking about it. I know that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, works in his time, not my time. God works over a lifetime of a person. Did I just say a lifetime? What? A lifetime. Think about that. God is always revealing more and more about ourselves, and we are being asked to think about a better way. That better way happens day by day, moment by moment, nail by nail over our entire life. Piece by piece, God is working in me and you. You can look in the mirror and say, God's not finished with me. Isn't that fantastic news when you think about that? God is not done with me or you. We are a work in progress, and God's desire is to rebuild us so we can reconstruct the word for, world for him. So how do we do the job of rebuilding? Like I said earlier, I'm going to get back to an analogy of building a house. Now, without question, the absolute most important aspect of a building is the foundation, It's a solid rock. And it's true when it comes to building the home. The first thing I looked at on that house that I'm working on on Kino Road was, the words I used were, I want to make sure that it had good bones. That it was fixable. That I could do the stuff that was necessary to it. And when I walked in, it didn't smell like cat pee. Excuse me. But I just did not want that. I would have walked right away. Hear the Apostle Paul, as he instructs us about our foundation, In 1 Corinthians, chapter 3, verse 11, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the foundation upon which you can build a life, a career, a business, but especially a home. When you start looking at your home, and as I said, remember we talked about this being a lifetime. When Jesus closed out the Sermon on the Mount, he focused our attention on two men. There was two men there, each of whom went out to build his house. There was a wise builder and a foolish builder. It's worth a note to say that from the outside, these two builders seem to be doing the same thing. To the casual observer, they look like similar houses. But the casual observer can't see the foundation. Now remember when I started, when Diane and I first got married and we started looking at... uh, places to live and I mean I had wild ambitions on things and I knew nothing about I didn't know what to do or how to fix things and I didn't see some some of the things that I could see now thinking that I could fix it I couldn't fix some of those things back then I can now but it still takes time one as you remember in this we get back to the parable uh, built his house on sand and the rains came here it is now and the floods descended and beat upon the house, and it fell, and it crumbled because it was built on sand. It wasn't on a solid foundation. The other man built his house on the rock, the solid foundation of a rock. This house was also subject to winds, water, rain, and whatever you can throw at it, but it stood because it was built upon a solid foundation. What is the one thing you do not want to do when you build a house or choose a location of which to build? And as we just, finished, we just finished talking about here, do you not want to build your house on a? You don't want to build your house on a weak foundation, and why is that? Because if you do, it doesn't matter how expensive or what quality of materials you use on the rest of the house, because if you have foundation problems, the whole house will have found, will all have problems. If I can spit the words out, you don't want to build your house on a weak foundation. So as you listen today, I want you to think about the foundation you're building your life upon. Figure out a better way to turn these pages, that's for sure. You start looking at the houses that Jesus looks at and rejects because it had foundation problems. And you don't want to be one of those houses that gets rejected. So after you've poured the foundation and built it on the solid rock of Jesus, what's next? What's the next step? you have a punch list here of doing things. We now come to, we think we can add some walls. We look at adding a wall. So we add some walls that will give structure to your home. So what kind of walls? Well, it's going to be a small house and a small home. So let's just erect four walls, shall we? Now the first wall in all of this, when we start building this home, is communication. Now depending on who you listen to, talk to, or read their studies, there are various reasons why people and their marriages end with divorce. In the evaluation, oftentimes, it's not most of the time, if not most of the time, communication is referred to. Or more, more often than not, it's the lack of communication. I used to be really into personality indicators, and Michael knows I still am. So much that some years ago, in, a, in one of the churches that we were at, and during my travels, I used to help one of the pastors we knew with speaking to -to soon-to-be-married couples. I wasn't trying to be the clinician, just to give them advice after they took a couple of tests that I gave them. I was going to point out the possible areas that may cause issues, and then leave it to the pastor to discuss the issues with them. I can't recall the number of times that a couple or one of the partners has said to me, we just don't communicate. Now, if you'll notice, when sin came into the home of the first family in Genesis 3, immediately there was a breakdown in the communication, in the connection between man and wife, the couple, and the Lord. Just listen to them as uh, God speaks to Adam, and Adam says in verse 12 of Genesis 3, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The woman you put here with me with me immediately he begins to stop communicating and he starts blaming and he's blaming the Lord then the woman says the serpent deceived me and I ate oftentimes our self-centeredness or our sin affected selfishness begins to warp our communication and we start pointing and blaming and we start keep doing that and we don't stop but I bet you've never done that I can't look at you and say that I've never done it. I can't, because I know I have. At times we think we're not communicating when we are communicating effectively, very effectively. I've often told couples that at times the loudest thing you'll ever say will be in silence and you're actually communicating. You may be communicating negative things such as I don't want to have anything to do with you or you're not worth me responding to negative things that are belittling and hurtful, even in silence. But a wall of communication needs to be erected so that there will be an openness of not only words, verbiage, but of care and feelings and touch and concerns. Just think about your life for a minute. Maybe just think about your life for a minute. Sorry about that. Take a moment to reflect on this week. Has there been a time in the past week when you said something you really should not have said? Have you thought something and said to yourself, where in the world did that come from? Again, I don't do things like that. I don't know about you, Michael, but I I never do things like that. And I'm waiting for the lightning bolt to come down. You may be communicating negative things. Uh, Sorry, think about your life. Again, and I've lost my place. I'm sorry about that. Think about your life. Take a moment to reflect on this week. And as we were talking about, if you said something, where did it come from? Maybe you have times of deep sadness that you can't understand or times when shame overcomes you. A fear that was covered up with anger towards someone. You know something's wrong and it needs to be addressed. And you need to have it addressed. There are so many in our churches who want to be right. I'm going to be right no matter what. They would rather be right than be in the relationship. However, when you break the relationship, you stop all the positive communication. What is left is just plain stinky. Or as I heard the other day, it was stanky, which even sounds worse. And you find yourself all alone. So we've got the first wall built. So you start looking at communication as the first wall. Now what do we have for the second wall? And the second wall I came up with was trust. So what's the definition of trust? A God who does care even when it feels like he doesn't. Trusting in God means that whatever we suffer, in the end, can be used for our, all of our ultimate good. When John Cavanaugh, who was a noted and famous ethicist, yes, he said, it is a real word, went to Calcutta. He was seeking Mother Teresa and and much more than that. He went for three months to work at the House of the Dying to find out how best he could spend the rest of his life. When he met Mother Teresa, he asked her to pray for him. She said, What do you want me to pray for? He then uttered the request he had carried thousands of miles. I want clarity. Pray that I have clarity. No Mother Teresa answered, I will not do that. When he asked her why, he was shocked. When he asked her why, she said, Clarity is the last thing you are clinging to and must let go of. When Kavanaugh said that that she always seemed to have clarity, the very kind of clarity he was looking for, Mother Teresa just laughed and said, I've never had clarity. What I've always had is trust. So I will pray that you will trust God. Those are strong words. Can you imagine a marriage without trust? If one spouse cannot trust the other, will either one ever be comfortable in their relationship? What would happen in a family where the parents refuse to trust their children? Would they ever leave the house? What if your boss didn't trust you to do your job? How long would you stay at your job where your supervisor stood right behind you all day? You can have a contract, think about that too. You have a contract that's a stack of paper a foot thick, and the lawyers could hide in the middle of it one little weasel clause that changes it all, and it does not last because of the lack of trust. And I know we've seen that on the news and seen a lot of different things like that. How long can two people stay friends if they don't trust each other? Think about it. No relationship can last without trust. It doesn't matter if it's a business relationship or a treaty between countries or a contract called marriage, or a living, loving relationship with God. It is built on trust. It is vital for the long-term existence of a home that a wall of trust stand. Husbands and wives need to find some way, and that's day by day, to let their companion know they are trustworthy. Basically, you can trust me. So first wall, second wall, third wall. Well, and I'm using the word fun on this one. The third wall is fun, so it's a fun wall because I'm all about fun or sometimes I'm not. (laughs) Let's take a quick look at chapter eight of Zechariah. It's God's description of the ideal life for his people. It's a picture of just how good it can be when he blesses his people. Let's focus on just a few of the details. Notice in verse five of chapter eight of Zechariah, God says his ideal of the perfect city is one where the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. Then in verse 19, he says, the fasts will be changed to festivals and become glad and joyful occasions. There's something about this chapter when I was reading it that gives you the sneaking suspicion that God loves fun. And he loves his people to have fun. For lack of a better term, I use the word fun just simply to express the enjoyment of a relationship that God intended to be filled with delight. I keep jumping all over the place here, but Proverbs chapter 22, verse 17 says, A cheerful heart is good medicine. He also tells us that a man who finds a wife finds a good thing, and he is right. God intended for the relationship of marriage to be filled with his blessings. I've never seen a couple who desired to get married, who detested each other, and did not enjoy each other. But I have seen those who, after a few years, at best, are just trying to endure rather than trying to enjoy. God has something better in mind than just painful endurance. I can't express that anymore. Just, painful endurance is awful. And when you see it in a relationship, it's just awful. He wants you to enjoy one another. Think about this. If Christianity is not fun, it's not pleasing to God nor man. We too often think fun and play is a secular side of life. It's good for a break until we get back to the important and serious stuff of life. And to me, that concept is just way too bad. I feel bad about it as it leads Christians to not take fun seriously. And it's a serious subject. you still got to have fun. <coughs> Excuse me. Fun is actually, here it comes, fundamental. <laughs> I did that just for Michael. Because <laughs> he likes those dad jokes and things. So now we've got three walls. Now the fourth wall is flexibility. All his life, David Livingstone wanted to be a missionary to China. Even in his old age, he longed to have the opportunity to go and minister there. But God sent him instead to Africa. You couldn't go any further away. Where he worked and died, opening up that large continent to mission work, such as William Carey had done in India. He never went to the place where he personally wanted to go. But he served willingly, unreservedly, And fruitfully where God put him he had a great vision for China but because he wanted above all else to do God's will he was flexible so the fourth wall in my eyes is a movable wall this wall is a wall of grace and mercy and it's movable it is the injection into your marriage or church that you will be sensitive to each other's needs and the changes that take place in your lives and you can take the pandemic for some of that and looking at where you have to be flexible and you have to turn and spin and change things and so that's about how we were trying to be flexible as a church to focus on that there are times when you need to be extremely close to each other and other times when you need to give space the wall of flexibility recognizes that each day you're somewhat a different person The pressures of life change from day to day. The physical needs and the level of energy changes from day to day. Your understanding, your patience, your responsiveness, they all ebb and flow in a manner in which the husband and wife and church need to be aware and sensitive and gracious to one another. So in my eyes, flexibility is being ready to try something different or new for the kingdom. It's when I'm willing to change my plans if... That's what God needs me to do. We all need to continually ask ourselves, am I flexible enough for God to use me in his kingdom? And that even counts more when you start thinking about the flexibility needed to looking at, as Michael was talking about, opening up in the summer and what you have to do and and how you have to be flexible with all of this. So that really works. Okay, so... I've laid the foundation and built the walls. What's next? I don't think there's much more, is there? Oh, wait a minute. There's a roof. There's the roof. Let's add a roof. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, it says, I recognize Peter is not talking about a physical roof here, like on a church or a house, but listen to this marvelous verse. And above all things, and now, and just for the imagery, and that's all I'm about right now, it seems, Look at the home we are trying to build with a foundation of Christ, the walls, and now the roof. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So the roof is super important, just like everything else is. Paul would tell us in his great love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13 that love never fails. Overarching all of your life's experiences, in relationships, challenges, dreams, and difficulties, have fervent love one for another. When Paul said love never fails, he knew that everything else would fail. He knew it would. There are times when you don't have enough patience or enough money, enough time, enough strength, enough understanding, enough wisdom. I can go on and on and on. And we live with the limitations of life, but we can keep on loving and build that roof, build that house. Now, it might look fairly simple, and the plans are not elaborate for this little home, but it will take you a lifetime to construct it. Remember this, that the Lord himself is the designer. He envisioned the home, and he alone can help you build it and focus on those things. And really, that's my little short sermon. I know it's not as, not as long ever as Michael's and as good as Michael's, but that's what the sermon about building a house and about building and looking at the foundation. And, and as I said, for me, it was really focusing on the house that I'm working on and looking at all those different things and making sure they're right. And make sure that your life is right. Make sure that you don't just slap a coat of kills on your life because it's worth more than that. And I thank you. Thank you again for the time that you've uh, allotted me here. Absolutely, and That's
0: it. Thank you so much, Duncan. Can we hear it for Duncan? Appreciate you, man. Appreciate you so, so much. That's a good word. That's a lot of wisdom. That's a huge amount of wisdom. I appreciate that. I wish, uh, wish I had applied those things about 20 years ago. I started applying those because I, I well, me and my wife will be hitting 20 years. Probably somebody tried to tell me a lot of these things, and I didn't listen. Appreciate Duncan so much. Appreciate all of you being a part of Recreate Church and, and what we're building here. If you want to know about, more about who we are and what we stand for, go to our website. That's recreatechurch.org. We're going to be updating that hopefully soon with some information about our, about our reopening. Uh, that's also a place that you can get messages. We are here every Sunday, Lord willing, 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Last week, we didn't have the evening service, and and maybe some of you were looking for that. We didn't have it because of Mother's Day. Hey, let me tell you something exciting. The Lord has put it on my heart to do some messages about, well, I would say the phrase that we would use is the end times, but a lot of people kind of hear that and run with it to places maybe we don't intend but I do want to talk about God's plan for wrapping up this age of the world and bringing in something new. Lord willing, that'll be in June. Hey, you'll probably see a few guest speakers over the coming week, next coming weeks, because my wife is having surgery on the 25th of May. Would you please be praying specifically for her? Her name is Katie Shockley. Surgery on the 25th of May, and it's a pretty, pretty major surgery. So, uh, Appreciate all of you guys. I want to wrap us up in prayer, and I'll send you out. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your love and your goodness, and thank you for Duncan and this message that he's brought to help us have, the, have strong marriages and strong relationships. I thank you so much, Father, that you have put us together, humans, as a family And you desire to make families of us. And I thank you for this church family and the the love that we find here. And I want to give you the glory, Lord, for the amazing recovery that is underway for our brother DJ Stoneman, what you're doing there, and I I pray you'll continue to heal him. Uh, I lift up my wife to you with this surgery upcoming and pray you'll be with her. And I pray that you will raise up people to... Help us make ready to reopen for indoor services. Lord, we love you so much, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.